see everybody. Well, let me see actually who who is here. Who is good to see? <laughs> it's good to see everyone. Um, I already know like who's missing. You know, it's like how my brain's like, oh, I already know. Where's that person? They said they were gonna come today. They're not here today. If you're watching online, you're lucky because I can't see you. No, just kidding. You guys, I know, I love joking around. And so, um, first of all, I just want to say what a great, great relationship, family, marriage, parenting series we just finished. So whether you're a parent or not, like, that stuff was just gold, you know, just to learn those things is, is amazing. I didn't get to speak in that series uh, this time, um, but next time I will. And uh, I just have one thing to say. You give your teenager a cell phone with full access to the internet. Be ready for them to look at porn. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, oh, really, Pastor Ben? Right off the bat? Like, that's where we're going? <laughs> I know, right? It's like, Wah! it's uh, It's really sad. It's like, you know, it's like, uh, you're like, there's so many other things that they need it for need it for, they, they can do with it, or blah, 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 you know, but, but the reality of it is, like, there's full access, full access to everything, so if you're ready for them to be tempted with that stuff, then go ahead, if you're not ready yet, if they're not ready yet, it's a maturity thing, it's not an age thing, it's not a, my friends have it, everybody has it, I have to have it too, it's like, ah, you know, like, you really have to think about that twice, so, um, be careful, because it's how uh, addictions are started, and then later on, you know, just, they, they don't just go away, and they also don't go away when they get married, and so times have changed, you know, before it was really hard to access that kind of stuff, um, it's not now, it's very easy, you know, and so it's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, but mostly, mostly dangerous. There's other ways to keep your kids communicated. There's other key ways to keep your kids, you know, uh, with what they need to do. But it's, it's a real dangerous thing. And I say this because we're, we're seeing, we continue to see an increase, you know, in, in a rise, if you could say, in uh, cases of um, sexual perversion in the lives of young children. And, um, and it's not going away. It's just going to increase. So cell phone is just the main uh, way in which, you know, our kids can access that. So if they, you know, if they have a phone, you want to be real careful about that. If they have an iPad with uh, unrestricted access to the Internet, also, same thing. And just so you know, there's porn in YouTube. Just so you know, it's not like, oh, it's YouTube. You know, it's like a big company. They wouldn't allow that. No, it's there. It's there. All right, change subjects. Woo! <clears throat> it's like, <laughs> well, one thing I need to say about that, because it's just, you know, the, the, the after effects are just uh, really bad, really horrible, you know? And so, you know, if we, can, if we can protect them until they're strong enough, mature enough to handle something like that, you know, it's, it's better. Okay, um... Let me pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for your word that is always powerful in our lives. 
and that it will come and, 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 and just go deep in our hearts and, and change us, change us today forever. We thank you that um, it is you the one that speaks to us through the Bible. It is you the one that teaches us the things that we need in our life and the things that we need to know for today. So I thank you for this message that it will be not just a, a message, but it will be life-changing and it will be applicable for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So today's called Vision Attracts Provision, okay? And, um, and, and it's not just about money, okay? But it has a lot to do with money, okay? But there's other things as provision. Provision is not just money. It's also resources, okay? Uh, there's a lot of people right now that have money, and they, and they don't have resources, you know? And, and what that means is, like, there's, there's people trying to hire people, and they're paying good, but there's no, nobody wanting to work. You know, so in a case like that, you're, it doesn't matter how much money you have if you can't find a good employee. And so provision is not just money, it's resources, right? The resources. It's also favor, right? You can have a lot of money, but if you can't, you know, find the property you need or get the permit that you need for that one thing, then, you know, it's useless. So provision is also a favor, okay? Provision is also direction. Provision comes in, in many ways, not just in the way of money. Are we good? Okay. And so uh, most people in their lives focus on provision and they work for money all their lives. You know, now we know the Bible tells us that we can't serve two masters because we'll either love one and hate the other or vice versa. And then the Bible tells us we can't love God and money because you'll either love one and hate the other or vice versa. And so the sad thing about this is that even believers, even people that have a relationship with Jesus... Um, a lot of times they find themselves working for money all their lives, working for the provision, looking for provision. And so, so people's focus become, becomes what? Provision. If you're in the cafe, you need to be listening to this. Pe- most people, and when I say most people, I want, I want to give you an idea. I'm talking about, about 96% of people, okay? So there's a remainder, about 4 or 5%. So most people, when I say most people today, I'm talking about 96% of people, okay? In and out of the church. Most people focus on provision, and they work for money all their lives. Most people, if you ask them why they can't attain a goal or why they can't, you know, do some dream, it's because there's not enough money, right? They don't have money. Why can't you do your dream? Why can't you do your vision? Why don't you think you're... In your calling, oh, it's because I don't have enough money. There isn't enough money. You know, I need to make more. Are you paying attention? Money, money right? <laughs> but interesting, the Bible nowhere says my people perish for lack of knowledge, for lack of money, right? Nowhere in the Bible does it say like, oh yeah, it's it's lack of money that um, that's the problem. It says that my people perish for lack of vision. And knowledge, right? So Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, people perish. You know, have you noticed like people that have no hope, nothing to look forward to, are also people that are very depressed? Right? It's right here in the Bible because they have no vision, they have no hope. They're not looking forward to another day, they have no reason to live. Therefore, People die, whether, whether it's just inside or whether it's physical, right? 
so many people are led to suicide because they have no reason to live. Like, for them, it's become harder to stay alive than just to end it, you know, because there's nothing to look forward. And then in uh, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So there are things that we don't know that if we knew, <laughs> would save our lives. That's what the Bible is telling us, okay? And so most people focus on the provision and on the money. And a lot of times when you are focused on the byproduct, you end up missing out on both. And, and that's the byproduct. That's, that's, that's a tool. Money and provision is the tool. It's not the goal. And so, you know, I, you know, I say, what are we focusing on? You know, what are you focusing on? You know, is, is you spend 40 hours a week, you know, and, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, you know, doing something that consumes most of your time, right? You exchange your valuable, irreplaceable time for money to live for what? This is not a message to, to depress you. <laughs> there is hope at the end of this, okay? Because each one of you were created by God with a calling and a design and a purpose. But when we don't know what we don't know, or when we don't discover that purpose, then we just automatically start coasting through just surviving, you know? Oh, what they have is nice. Maybe I'll get some of that. Oh, what they're doing is nice. Maybe I'll do some of that. And we never really seek God for what are we, what's my calling? What is, what is my purpose? Okay. And so I want to ask you a question. For how many of you did Jesus die? Oh, you answered for somebody else that didn't answer. For how many of you did Jesus die? Well, he died for me, you know. He died for me. For how many, how, how many of you are living for Jesus? Oh. oh. No, why don't you guys say it all again? <laughs> you can't answer that question for everybody, right? We know that he died for all of us, but how many are living for him? Why, why are less people living for him? Well, because a lot of people have the idea that it's hard to live for him. It's boring to live for Jesus. I don't want to be poor. <laughs> right? Some people think that, right? I want to be successful. I want to be happy. And they, you know, like they're missing the whole point that it's in him that true satisfaction, true joy, true happiness is, is ever possible. And so... For how many did he die for all of us? How many are you? How many of us are living for him? You know, well, I, I don't know. I see a lot of you still thinking. How many of you have a calling from God for your lives? Again, answering for a lot of people that aren't sure. How many of you work a secular job? Do you really? You know, I get, you get nine. Nobody's answered. Nobody's lifting their hands anymore. They're like, I don't know. I'm not gonna lift my hand up. <laughs> this is all tricky questions, <laughs> right? But what does secular really mean? Secular means actually to have nothing to do with God. Never mind. 
temporary only, nothing eternal involved in it. You know, one of the things we talk a lot about in this church is 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 how um, how to bring eternal things into our job, into the things that seem mundane, into the things that seem like oh, it's just a job. How do you bring eternity into those things? You know, because see, he died for all of us, and. Do you see, see only 3% of people work in like what you would describe clergy, you know, and in like pastors, missionaries, evangelists, and full time ministry? Only 3%. So, do you think like God left 97% of the world population with no calling? No. Maybe you did until right now. <laughs> of course not. Everybody has a calling. But we need lawyers, we need politi- politicians, like good, good, integrous politicians, right? We need, what else? We need law enforcement, we need doctors, we need, we need, like, we need people in everywhere. Like, we can't all be in ministry because then who would fly the airplanes and who would, you know, do the trading and who would, you know, do all this, like... Who were the business owners? So if you think about it, like it makes no sense to think that because you're not in working in the church or in a ministry that you don't have a calling from God. We all have a calling from God. And most of those callings are not to be full-time working at a church or a ministry. Because if Jesus died for you, then you can choose to live for him and you can choose to serve him, and you would never call what you do a secular job because you're doing what he called you to do. That's if you're doing what he called you to do. Dun, dun, dun. So you can't leave now because there's so many unanswered questions now. So, it's like, so I'm going to drink some water. <laughs> And so most people live their whole life focused on the provision, okay? And the provision is, you know, a life that focuses on provision is just a self-gratifying lifestyle, right? Most people are looking for self-gratification, right? Even if they say they're not, like, the main thing they're looking for, you know, is for them to be good, right? Only a few focus on calling and vision, which is how we serve God and others, and, again, what you think of right away when you think of, like, those that serve God and others, you think of a monk and a nun and people that have a, a vow of silence and a vow of celibacy and a vow of poverty and a vow of boring life. Is, am, I not, am I wrong? Right? We think of those things. But it's not true. Because we serve such a good God. Like, why would he, why would he be like, God, oh, yep, you're all going to have a boring life. And then if, if you survive this boring life, then when you go to heaven, then it'll be better. No. He's a good God. He's a better dad than we are. And we, as dads, want good things for our kids. So the Bible tells us he's even better than that. So that gives you a good picture, right? Okay. So many have a calling from God. No, all of us have a calling from God. Okay. Um, now, how many of you serve God full-time? 
Okay, we're getting a better response. Okay. How many of you serve God full time? Because even if you have a secular job, you can serve God full time. Because you have a calling from God. So it doesn't matter where you work at or what kind of business you have. Right? You can serve God in that business. Unless it's illegal, then obviously <laughs> not. Okay? Sometimes you've got to clarify these things. Like, okay, my drug dealing business is going really good. <laughs> to God be the glory. No! <clears throat> but I tithe from it. Oh, gosh. You got us. <laughs> no. Okay, so... I want to just point out a few examples of, um, you know, in the Bible, like people that, that had vision. Because remember, the, the, the lesson today is vision attracts provision, okay? And it's really easy to say, and it sounds really good. But a lot, a lot of times it's like, okay, how do I do that, right? Like vision attracts provision. So if I have a vision, then money's going to appear? No, right? Um, so King David, for example, King David, if you read in... Um, in Chronicles, he had a um, he had a desire to build God a temple. He had a vision. He even it's detailed in the Bible, like you know what size the temple was going to be, everything it was going to have in it. And you know what happened just a few chapters after that. When you read, it's vision came first, and then the provision followed. David raised up the whole offering for God's temple. He didn't build it; his son built it, which also tells us our vision needs to go further than our life. A lot of people only have vision for their own life. That's an indicator that we're living a self-gratification type of life. So our vision has to be multi-generational. <laughs> okay? And so David, right? David made the plans, and he raised up the offering, right? And all of it came for the plans, right? So vision attracted provision, then Solomon, I mean, David gave a lot of it, but then people gave. And the Bible says, actually, people were joyful to give into the temple from their treasures. Then Solomon, see, it's very interesting because Solomon had a vision for something different. He had a vision uh, for ruling. God asked Solomon, we all know this, God asked Solomon and said, hey, ask me anything and I'll give it to you. It's like, it's like better than Aladdin, right? Like, ask me anything and I'll give it to you. Solomon was very young, and the Bible says he told God, said, I'm really young, and I'm supposed to be the king. He said, so give me wisdom and understanding so that I can rule. He asked for the vision that he had, for the calling that he had. And then God says that he told him, and said, okay, well, because you asked for wisdom and understanding, I will give you wisdom and understanding, but I will also give you riches, and I will also make you famous. Okay, you're not, get, you're not getting this. Solomon was supposed to be the king over God's people. Full-time ministry, okay? And he asked not for the provision. He asked according to the vision and the calling that he had. He said, I need wisdom because I don't know what I'm doing. I need understanding to be able to rule your people. And then the provision came for that vision, for that calling of his life. But on top of that came his vow of poverty, 
a super boring life? No. God gave them everything else too. And if you think about this, Matthew 6.33 says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, which means his matters, right? What's important to him and his righteousness. And then he will add all these things, right? All these other things and stuff that most people are focused on, the stuff, the things that most people kill themselves their whole life for, don't worry, they'll all be added unto you because you sought calling first. Sometimes I wish I had a microphone to actually drop it. <laughs> Maybe it would wake some people up, you know. Are you following me? Yeah. Okay. And then um, Nehemiah. Nehemiah is another one. He had a vision, okay, a calling to what? To rebuild the wall of the city, to restore it, right? But he didn't have anything. So provision followed that vision. And what was the provision? He had favor with the king, right? He had protection. He had the resources that he needed, and it was paid for. He didn't have to focus his life and, you know, and really worry about where the money's going to come from for this wall, and how am I going to get all these people to help me, and how am I going to get into, you know, over there, they want to kill us. And if you know, Nehemiah was building a wall with one hand, and he had a sword on the other hand, you know, for protection and stuff. And so he had a vision. He had a calling. He answered the calling, and then provision came, which meant, and, and it came in the way of, all the resources needed to pay for the wall, all the people needed, the protection needed, the favor, the permits, everything straight from the king for him to be able to do what he needed to do. See, he didn't focus on the provision. He didn't focus on the money. He focused on the vision, and he took steps towards it. He knew what his calling was. Jesus. You know, Jesus came, and he had a vision. Right? He knew what he was supposed to do. He was never worried about money or what if people don't follow me? You know, what if I call those disciples and they don't come? No. The disciples were part of his provision, right? Jesus came, he had a vision, he was walking in his calling, and provision followed. People followed, resources followed. He didn't have to worry about those things. But yet, you know, so many of us, you know, live a, a part of our lives or all our lives just worried about the provision, focused on the provision, working for mammon, money, right? And we think of vision as something I'll do when I retire. We think of vision as, well, if God wants it to happen, it'll happen. We think of vision as like, oh, some dreams, you know, I got to be a realist, you know. Uh, reality is I have to eat. Well, then I would ask you, why do you have to eat? Well, because not, if not, I'll die. So? <laughs> what are you living for? What are you here for? Just to take up some real estate and some room and some oxygen and, and then not vote on election? No, I'm just kidding. We almost took a detour there. No. <laughs> Are you following me? It's not so that you leave this place going, oh, yeah, why do I live? No, no. We don't want you to leave like Igor here, you know. It's so that you actually, it, it, this is supposed to provoke you to go to God and say, God, what is my calling? 
You know, what's the vision for my life? The Bible tells us that he created us, right? And, and, uh, and Jeremiah says that he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. He knew us. Not just like, I know the face. No. Like, I know the calling. And it says that he has good plans and a good future for us. Already. So don't you think the quickest way to find out is to go to the designer, to the creator, to your heavenly father, and say, hey, what you created me for? What, what am I doing here? What is this about? What do you want me to do? In Psalms, it says that, you know, he, he carefully, fearfully, and wonderfully made us in our mother's wombs. Like, just like, knit you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you better than your mom and your dad know you. He, he knows you better than anybody in the world. And he knows exactly because he already had those plans for you. And so a lot of people think like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to do God's plans. Like, that's, that's going to be boring. I'm going to miss out on stuff. Right? But what you don't understand is that God put good plans inside of you. That means that you're going to like them. That means you're going to like them better than the stuff you've been coming up on your own. <laughs> uh, let, let's go to uh, Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Hope you're getting something good out of this. So, perfect. It says, Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said... If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Uh-oh. Some of you already checked out. <laughs> if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, Jesus is not calling us to physically go and be crucified like he was. Okay? And then verse 35 says, If you try to hang on to your life, okay? So if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. You know, so again, this, it's this picture of people seeking a, a life of self-gratification, okay? All about me, what's best for me, you know? And leaving kind of God on the side. That's why I said, you know, how many of, how many did, how many of us did Jesus die for? And how many of us are actually living for him? Because the way to our true life, the way to a life of actual eternal fulfillment, you know, of actual joy, is when we lay our life down and we say, okay, what do you have for me? When we take up our cross, that means, you know, when you, when you put your what you think is your plans or your desires, when you put him to death and you say, okay, God, what do you have for me? And I'll t it'll be a lot like this story. It'll be a lot, and I've told it before, but it serves for the example. It'll be a lot like the girl who, who had a, a, a plastic pearl necklace and her dad came and said, honey, can I have that pearl necklace? I really like it. And she was like, no, daddy, it's not my pearls. I'm like, no. And the next day he comes, honey, I really like that pearl necklace. Can I have that pearl necklace? You know, it's like, no, that is my favorite. It's my favorite. And he kept coming for a week, right? And then one day he comes and he said, honey, can I have the pearl necklace? She said, yes, daddy, I love you. And the daddy pulls out from behind a real pearl necklace, right? And gives it to her. And she's like, oh 
oh my gosh, like, I did not know. Like, I thought I had it really good. I loved this necklace. But what he had was the real thing. And most people live a life where they think they're looking and they have and they're going to obtain the best for them. But it's really all it is, is a plastic pearl necklace. But when we surrender our life to him like that, it's not a bad thing like, okay, well, here we go. You know? No, it's a, here you go, now I can give you the real thing. You know, the things that we build and that we seek on our own are going to be temporary. But how do I make my job or the things, you know, that people call secular, how do I make that eternal? It's when I lay it down to God and entrust, right? Proverbs 3, 5 says, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Verse 6. And so it's a life of trust in him that says, okay, you know, like, I want to know from you. And what you will find out is a lot of times like that pearl necklace. Like, he didn't give his daughter, like, well, here you go. Here's a Barbie. It's like, I don't like Barbies. I like the necklace. It wasn't like that. And most Christians think that that's, or most people think that that's what God is like. Like, he's going to give me something that I don't like, something that I don't enjoy. When in reality, it lines up with the desires that he already put in your heart. Her desires were lined up to pearl necklace. God had the real thing, the better one, you know, for her. And he has the same thing for you. So, so people have the misconception that God's going to send me to Africa and, and, you know, and I don't like Africa. <laughs> but God wouldn't do that to you. See, God created you with desires in your heart. And so when you find the things in your life that you enjoy doing, it's only glimpses of what he put inside. Most people think that joy and fulfillment are the goals of life. But the God and the expansion of his kingdom are the goals in life. Matthew 6.33, we seek what's important to him, and then he adds all the stuff almost effortlessly adds all the stuff unto us, okay? People spend their lives seeking joy and fulfillment. Everybody is looking for joy, for happiness, for peace, right? People spend their whole lives looking for it, working for it. But these are only the byproducts of serving Jesus. These are the byproducts of serving Jesus. One who seeks the byproduct rather than the goal usually misses out on both. I mean, it's clearly to see it at the end of many people's lives that worked really hard for things, you know. A lot of times it's not really what they thought it was going to be. A lot of times they have regrets. A lot of times they say, oh, man, yeah, but but you retired rich. Yeah, but, yeah. There's not a fulfillment. There's not a joy. There's not a, ah, I did it. It was awesome. Wouldn't change a thing. Like, no, it's mostly like, Regrets. Why? Because they spent their life seeking for the byproduct instead of serving Jesus. See, when you serve Jesus, the byproduct is peace, joy, fulfillment. You feel like you're part of something greater than yourself, something that's going to transcend even after you die. right? But 
One who seeks the byproduct rather than the goal usually misses out on both. That's why we want to seek Him and trust Him and seek His kingdom. And He he will do the rest. That is how provision follows vision, calling. Um, So, Focus on vision, not on provision. The way to discover your purpose and your calling from God is directly from God. So I would say this. If, you, um, if you're a young adult and you're going to college or going to go to college or you're in college or just finished college, okay, um, I would say choose your career and profession according to calling, not according to money. Right? Like most people... You know, you ask them, what are you going to college for? I'm going for business school. Why? Because there's a lot of money in it. I'm going to engineering. Why? Because it pays really good money. I'm going to be a doctor. Why? Because it pays really good money. Isn't that most of the answers like you get? Like there's, a, there's really good money in there. There's really good money in that. I mean, so choose your career not based on Money, but uh, according to your calling and, your, and, and, and the vision that God's given you for your life. Well, I don't know what that is. Well, it would serve you really well to spend some time praying, talking to people uh, that love you. You know, like we have amazing people in this church that would help any of you, you know. What is God called you to do? You know, because a lot of times the, the clues are already inside of you. You know, um, what's that thing you do? Fifteen questions, twenty questions, fifteen, fifteen questions, fifteen questions to purpose. You know, and it's like finding out. You know, and James, I don't know how many questions do you do. Three, three, three questions to purpose. <laughs> okay, you go fifteen or three. Like I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> so. Don't take your career or profession according to money. Now, if you're already if you're already married, you already have kids, you can't go, well, all right, goodbye job. I'm going to go find... No, it, it's going to take a transition. It's going to take some time to course correct if you're completely off course. You know, you might find that you're maybe in the right track and you just need to, you know, change your mindset and, and where your heart is and maybe, you know, your focus instead of it being money, you know, like, okay... I am, I, I, I love what I do, you know, and this is my calling, but I wasn't serving God in my calling. I wasn't bringing, you know, the kingdom of God into my, into the marketplace where I'm in. And now you need to find out how you do that because you're serving God full time. You're living your life for him. Um, it changes everything. It changes everything. You know, it goes from being a mundane, uh, here we go, nine to five, to now, you're on a mission, you're on assignment, you're there for a purpose. There's people that you're going to touch that nobody else can touch, and nobody else can influence, and nobody else can give hope to except you. And so when you go to work, the mundane thing, the everyday thing, you know, whether you like it or not, but you bring Jesus with you, and you give hope to somebody, and their life completely changes, like, that's eternal. That makes it very, very different. Um, okay. 
Pursue your calling and vision with all your heart and expect provision to naturally follow vision. Okay. Um, so I'll tell you my story real quick. I have a few minutes left. When I, I was born and raised in Mexico City. Uh, most of you know that. And uh, I was 18 years old, and I got the opportunity to go into a mission trip, right? And that's when I met Dan for the first time. I was 18, you know, and that's when I met Kara also the first time. Um, and so I was in this mission trip, and, um, and, I, and I really loved it. I loved the whole thing, you know. I'm like, I had had an idea that serving God was boring. And I had the most fun I've ever had, you know. In, on those mission trips, and I saw amazing things that changed my life, you know? When you start seeing people getting up out of wheelchairs like a normal thing, and people getting healed from cancer, and tumors disappearing, and, like, it changes your life forever. Like, you're like, okay, <laughs> I lived a pretty shallow life. This is meaningful, right? And, but, and so I started discovering, like, that this is probably part of my calling, you know, to serve God. And then I went on the mission field, and I had a, a rough experience because we were poor. <laughs> we, were, we had nothing. I mean, right, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm telling you, you get real creative with spam. <laughs> when we had it. Okay. And then you thank Dan's dad for the day he came down to Guatemala and bought me uh, new underwear. <laughs> you know, I think I still have it framed somewhere saying like, the Lord will provide, you know. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> and so it was like, oh, I was like, so after I was in the mission field, I said, uh-uh, I don't ever want to be a missionary. I don't, uh-uh, I'm... And, and I felt really strong in my heart. I'm like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back home, and I'm going to be a businessman. And I'm going to make a lot of money to send missionaries. I'm going to make a lot of money to fund the kingdom of God because I realized and I saw how much money it took to do ministry and to do it right. It takes money, you know? And so I'm like, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to build businesses. I'm going to own hotels and restaurants and, and because I don't want to see the kingdom of God and the people of God suffering financially. I want them to have no deficit. I had seen too many times like, hey, we're believing for this much and this much didn't come. And so we had to cut back on everything. And it was not fun. It was kind of sad, you know. And so that was my heart. So I went back home, you know, and at that moment I thought, that's, that's what I'm going to do. And I actually started building a business uh, that gave me enough money to woo my wife into becoming my wife, you know, to wine and dine her when she came to visit me. And anyways, that's another story. But the point is, <laughs> shortly after that, you know, uh, I moved out here. You know, I was still on the idea of business. I loved leading worship, so I led worship for, for, uh, for church. But my main thing was that I, I wanted to tell you something, and I hope you're not disappointed, but I never planned on being a pastor. <laughs> never. It was never, never in my radar. I was like, nah, my dad's a pastor, father-in-law is a pastor, there's enough pastors. You know. <laughs> I'll lead worship and make money. That's what I want to do. And I'll give them a lot of money so that they're not missing anything. You know. That, that was really what I wanted. So I thought, you know, my vision was, you know, to, to make money for the kingdom of God. Well, you know, go, when you surrender your life to God and you give him permission, you know, the Bible says that when you trust him, he leads you, Right? 
because I had a vision, right? But yet, I surrendered it to God too because I don't, I'm not going to pretend that I know everything. And so, needless to say, in 2008, I was 24 years old and, and I started this church and um, I didn't know I had started it. Uh, just, you know, I think it was 2009 or 2010 when all of a sudden people started calling me pastor and I was like, excuse me, you know, and, and there we go, you know. So, now we're here. And so, um, so what I'm trying to say is you have a vision and you give it to God. Yeah, you're seeking, you're saying, hey, I want to do this with you, what you called me for. And I think these are the desires of my heart, so I'm going to take steps towards that, right? But then somewhere along the way, you know, he's like, okay, thank you. And he steers you into a different direction, right? And then you discover, oh, my gosh. Like today, I'll be completely honest with you. I, there's nothing else I would rather do than being a pastor. I absolutely love it. I know this is my calling. I know that's what I'm supposed to do, you know? Like, I don't... Thank you, James. <laughs> you know? And so... But it's not like I knew when I was 18. Like, oh, that's exactly how it's going to happen. Like, no. It's like, okay, what is the desire of my heart? You know, the first thing that was different is I didn't go to college. Like, that was not part of me. That was not part of my calling. And, and that was very, very different than my family because everyone in my family has not one but several degrees. You know, it's like very educated people. And it was like a big like. Ben Hamin is not going to go to college? What is it, what's it going to be of his life? Are we going to have to all support him? You know? And so, anyways. Um, so I'm going to give you, in just a couple minutes, I'm going to give you five things that we need to do for our vision. First one is we need to identify our vision, Okay. What desires has God already put in your heart? Selfless desires, okay? Because remember, there's a lot of times our flesh is involved in it, so there's some selfishness in it, okay? So what selfless desires has God put in your heart, okay? That is probably linked to your calling, to your vision. Like, what makes you go, yes, that is awesome. I love, I enjoy doing that. I enjoy watching that. And it's not sitting in front of the TV, like, you know. That is actually serving God and serving other people. So it's related to serving God and others. That's why in the marketplace, you're serving people. You're bringing value to the marketplace. You're bringing value to your job. Okay? And so identify your vision. Okay? Number two is write your vision. You know? What's the big picture? What are the small details? Imagine yourself in it and the process through it. You know, write it down. And, um, and, and I'm not talking about what color you want your Corvette to be. No. That, that's a selfish one. Is there something wrong with it? Absolutely not. It'd be fun. Like, it's great. But, but that's not your calling. That's a byproduct. Okay? And so, so yeah, to what? To get faster somewhere? <laughs> so... Cut. And back on. Okay. <laughs> so, so 
So write your vision down. You know, I'm not saying not have a vision board. We love, we love it when our youth and people do vision boards and detail stuff of the things they want and stuff like that. But I'm talking about your vision, like the selfless part of it, the, the here's my life to serve God and others, okay? And this is how it links to that. This is how I add value to people. This is how I add value to the kingdom of God. Because remember, seek his kingdom first, right? And so his kingdom is him and it's people. It's what's important for him, but also how I'm serving people or how I'm pointing people to God. Or like Pastor Kara taught us, how I'm reconciling people that are away from God, you know, back to relationship with him. Okay, so, so identify your vision. Number two, write your vision. Okay, number three, read your vision. Read it out loud. Number four, declare it. Okay, you want to read it. You want to remind yourself. You want to declare it. You don't want to just collecting dust out there. And number five, this is a really important one that I, that I, I probably learned this when I was 18, 19. I read an amazing book, and, and this is what it said. It said, if, you're, if, you're, if your vision is really big and it's just this huge mountain, like let's just say it's a superstition spring mountain, right? Right there, your, your, your vision, your goal is to get to the top. It's huge. How are you going to do that? It's one step at a time. So what do you do? You make sure that every step you're taking is in that direction. You're not going to go to the West Valley. You're going to head in that direction is a step I'm taking into that direction you know is this helping me get closer to that goal and that's your part you know God's part is you know he might swing by on a helicopter take you to the top overnight but here's something really important along the way you need to do a revisit your vision okay B clarify your vision and C, edit your vision, okay? And, and I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. Along the way, right, and this is, this is kind of how, how it happened to me. I knew some, but I didn't know all. The Bible says that we know in part, you know, that means we see some, but that's why it takes faith to walk with God because I'm not walking by what I see. I'm walking by whose hand I'm holding. Has anybody ever walked you into a surprise and said, covered your eyes? You're holding their hand. You can't see. You're just walking by faith. You're holding their hand. So you trust the person whose hand you're holding. Okay? And so along the way, you have to revisit your vision, right? What if I had said, uh-uh, I'm, no, I'm supposed to be a worship leader. I can't even marry her because her vision is to have orphanages in Kenya. This is true story for about six months, I missed out on having a relationship with her that, let's back up. For a long time, I said to myself, I even told Dan over the phone, I was in Cancun, Dan's in New York, I told him that, like, Kara, I said, Kara's everything I want in a wife, like, everything, but I know it's not her, because her vision is to do orphanages in Kenya, and mine's to be a worship leader. Go ahead, exactly, laugh, <laughs> laugh at that, laugh at that, right? If I was stubborn and I had stayed with that and be like, nope, that's my vision, that's my vision, I would have missed out on a lot. And so we need to revisit our vision because life events sometimes require us to do this, okay? Marriage, kids, okay? And sometimes maturity, okay? causes us also to see things differently because you just didn't know things that you didn't know then. And so you need to revisit the vision. B, you need to clarify it. Okay, okay, so 
I was wrong about this, right? Because if, you, if I think about it still today, that desire in me to, for, for, for missionaries, for missions, and for uh, ministry and church to be done right without uh, poverty in it, without lack in it, that's still happening. Still happening. I, I tell our worship team all the time, like I said, you guys don't know, but I'm going to tell you how blessed you are to just have all this nice equipment that you do. Because when we were in the mission field, the microphone shocked you if you touched them with your lips. And the guitar cable had a buzz the whole time, and that was your best bet. And this and that, you know. And so, so my desire is still happening, as in the things that I wanted for other ministries is not happening just through our ministry, right? And through missions. Like, we're building houses for kids in Kenya, and these aren't rooms with 12 bunk beds. These are three-bedroom houses uh, where they live very comfortably, very nice. You see what I'm saying? And so, so the desires that were there are still there now. It just, I had to clarify and revisit the vision because it wasn't exactly how I thought it was going to be. And you need to be okay with that. Because if you get stuck in it, then you'll stay stuck in there. <laughs> that was deep, right? And so, clarify your vision and then see, edit your vision. Amend it, correct it, clean it up, make it better, adapt it to what is, what is now. Okay? So close your eyes, I'm going to pray. All right. Father God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for, um, I thank you we don't have to, you, you never intended for us to have to uh, work all our life for provision for the calling you gave us, God. We understand that today, and I, and I ask that you would, you would clarify our vision, that you would, uh, that you would uh, help us identify the calling for our lives, that it's an eternal call, that is... Um, that it's not a boring thing or something we're not going to like, but that it actually is the real thing, like the real pearl necklace. And so I ask you, God, that you would, um, you would just speak to our hearts and you would lead us into uh, finding our calling and the vision for our life. And I just pray that you give us a vision um, where we see ourselves and our children and their generations um, without having to work for money, without having to, to, to work without a purpose, to work without a vision. But I, I thank you that not just us, but even our children will, um, will be driven by their calling and the purpose that you created them for, God. And so I thank you for teaching this, us, this to us today. And I pray that you would help us in the process of identifying, clarifying, and taking steps in the right direction, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for provision, for our vision, for our calling. In Jesus' name, amen.